You guys, I am so stoked about this conversation with Jason Todd. Absolutely incredible. We touched on a number of different topics, but one of the best was discovering fear, discovering your own fear, discovering what motivates you. Uh, for example, Jason has a huge love of learning and so do I, but we talked about how sometimes it's actually fear-based, learning how to deal with that, learning how to manage that, and progressing forward in the best way you can. Staying motivated, understanding and understanding and interpreting outside circumstances and so much more. Please enjoy the conversation. Let's get to the show. In watching your kind of eight minute biography video there, um, really one of the biggest things that stood out to me was like you have done so much in just about every single industry that I can think of right? You're in consulting. Um, you were in build, you're an engineer for a little bit sales. Like you've done so much and really just watching when I, as I watched, I was like, you know what, this dude, it, whoever coined the phrase, um, Jack of all trades, master of none clearly had never met Jason Todd. Um, and I'm sure you've heard that expression a lot. I'd mm -hmm. love to hear what are your thoughts on that expression? Is it is it totally BS? Are you the exception? Can anyone do what you've done? Or, or and to piggyback off of that, why does that phrase even exist then? Sure, that's a great question uh, and insightful of you. I have done a lot of stuff, uh, and we can circle back around to why that video even exists and why you came across it. Um, but yeah, I think the the term jack of all trades implies um that the individual is not good at anything right so jack of all trades master of none my question would be why is that an issue because if we don't think of it in terms of jack of all trades but we turn think of it in terms of generalist generalist with some very specific talents mm -hmm. then i think that's a strength so if you went to a doctor let's say the first thing you'd want to, let's say you had uh, something wrong with you, right? You'd end up in the emergency department. And the reason you end up in emergency department is because you need assistance right now. And what do you do? You go to an emergency department doctor who's seen a lot of things. They're not a heart surgeon, but they know kind of what, how the heart might present a problem. They're not a brain surgeon, but they know kind of how the brain is going to present a problem. And they're able to triage effectively. They might even be able to take care of whatever issue you have because probably 80% of what you have, totally common, totally treatable. You're in, you're out. The 20% that you might need to escalate into something different would require perhaps an expert or a referral to somebody who's, who's studied only that thing. The challenge is when you get to somebody who's studying something and only that thing, the flip side of being a jack of all trades, master of none, is you end up with, what's the saying? When all you have a ha is a hammer, everything's a nail. Yeah. So if, if you are in, let's say, uh, web development or marketing, let's say you want a marketing company, right? Then everything is by definition to you, a marketing issue. Why? Because that's how you survive. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that's on a person's mind is how do I keep my job? Yeah. So you'll go to a marketing company. They'll say, of course, we can do marketing for you because, you know, that's, that's what we do. And it will it benefit you. Sure. It'll probably benefit you. Do you need that? Not necessarily. 
but you haven't gone to anybody who had a full, a more full range of experiences to be able to triage your issues and, and, and send you to the place that you needed to go to. So it works all the time in healthcare. Nobody argues with it. Yeah. It also works in business. What do you think are those qualities that have helped you to be skilled at? I mean, because it's not just business that you've been really good at, right? You've you've excelled in, in a number of different things. Maybe what are some of those maybe core skills or is there a connection between all the things that you've excelled at? Yes. I'll say there's a connection. And while I say yes, I'm going to search for it. <laughs> right? Because... Yeah. Because uh, if you looked at that video, I began as a self-taught programmer. Yeah. Right? So I was in my basement programming computers while other people were outside playing baseball. Yeah. Probably not quite to that extreme. Yeah. But I got no real joy out of sports. Right? I played football for a semester in high school, long enough to realize it was a terrible idea. <laughs> and fortunately escaped with my pride and my life. And so, your brain intact. And my right? brain. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So I had a particular interest and I followed all of those interests. And, and you, you know, you say, well, I have this podcast because I want to learn a lot of stuff. And my question would be, why do you want to learn so much? Because I'm the same way, right? Yeah. I'm constantly consuming information. Sometimes it's distraction because if I consume a lot of information, then I can try and figure out some better system of like doing something instead of just doing it. Right. So it's a, yeah. it's a, it actually rests in a fear part of my brain. So I consume and do and discover, but a lot of it is just curiosity. I really enjoy life. I really enjoy people. I like honing certain crafts if I'm interested in them. So I've, I uh, can play piano. I'm a talented singer. I've done marketing. I've, I've learned the, the craft of marketing. I was doing web development early in the, you know, early in the web development years. 2000-ish, 2001-ish timeframe before everybody had email, right? Yeah. Uh, prior to then, I was a programmer. I uh, built software for companies. I built software then for myself and started an e-commerce company and grew that and learned how to do negotiations, complicated negotiations. I learned how to read a, a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet. I learned uh, principles of, strat of business strategy. Uh, I was a co-pastor of a church. So I've got a spiritual background and a spiritual yeah. bent to me, and I've gone down those roads. Uh, and you know, you, you, the word consultant, right. It's sort of, um, can be used sort of disingenuously. People say, well, you know, he's a consultant. He couldn't do anything else. So he just goes off and tells people what to do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is somewhat true. It's kind of like being a life coach and I don't want to put life coaches down, but just because you have an interest in helping people doesn't mean you're qualified. So the, what qualifies me to be an advisor or a consultant or a generalist is because I've done a lot of this stuff. And I did a lot of it because I was so high, either out of necessity or because I was just super interested in it. And I would, and I would bury myself in that craft for a little bit. Stupid example, coffee. I love coffee. I know a handful of ways to make coffee. I know the temperatures. I know some of the chemistry behind it. I know the secret ingredient to take the you know, bitterness out of the coffee. I know caffeine levels in roasted or not, you know, high dark roast or, you know, medium roast. I, but I did it because I just wanted to discover it. If I'm going to devote every day of my life or 80% of the days of my life to drinking coffee, I might as well know it well. And that's just, that is just a, a mental, uh, a mental component of my brain. It's just, my yeah. brain does that. I can't escape it. 
Um, so the, the, the key, uh, the connection I think is creativity and I never saw it that way, but it's creativity and curiosity. So I'm very curious about a lot of things. It helps me understand my life and helps me move through my life confidently. Uh, and then there's, there's a, um, a creativity to all these connections. I really enjoy making connections to things. And because I've done a lot of different, uh, you know, disparate experiences um, and become quite good at some of these things, I can make connections in just ways that other people can't. Yeah. Um, and I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly reinventing and, and um, seeing, seeing where the journey takes me, right? And sometimes, sometimes forcing myself upon the journey uh, and then having to backtrack and go where the path really was. Uh, and sometimes I'm, I'm just kind of blowing in the wind. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Jack of all trades, master of none is disingenuous to a lot of people. Generalist is better. And I, it is, it's something that I enjoy. I happen to be very good at sp some specific skills. Um, and they just aren't enough for me. I can't do that one skill every day, all day. It's, it's simply not enough. And how did you, how did you realize, how did you gain the self-awareness that some of that learning was actually fear-based? Because I've actually noticed that with myself, one of the things that I've nerded out really, really hard over is actually like barbecuing, like actually diving into the exact chemical reactions that happen you know, that, that crust on a steak, you know, yeah. why you don't want to freeze a steak um, ever. And, and, you know, that leads to water loss and everything. I've actually realized that that started because I was gifted a smoker, a Traeger. I was gifted a Traeger and I wanted to barbecue for my buddies, but I didn't want to butcher it. And so yeah. I just researched everything I can. And I've actually noticed that some of these kind of compulsive tendencies actually come from perfectionism and not wanting to do things poorly. Um, yeah. it, it took me a long time to get to that, but how did you come to the realization that some of that was actually fear-based as opposed to just purely, you know, I guess, as opposed to just pure, pure, pure curiosity? Great question. I think some of it developed because I'm uh, an avid studier of personalities and personality types. One of my superpowers is being able to see people. Yeah. Uh, and so I can, I can know people n nearly instantly um, nowadays. And I say that instantly, it's not instant, right? But over the course of five, 10 minutes, I'm, I'm like your psychotherapist suddenly. <laughs> Uh, in, in some way, it's like, I'm telling you your fortune, right? It's like, put your palm up to the screen and I'll tell you exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's a weird superpower to have, uh, especially for me because I'm so analytical, but, um, uh, I, I did some study on the Enneagram and the Enneagram is a methodology for determining, uh, what your, what your psychological tendencies might be. Right. And in the Enneagram, uh, and I don't know it like you know, super well, but, I'm a five, I'm, I'm a type five and there are, there are nine types in the Enneagram and a type five is a, 
uh, a person who is naturally curious. It's a person who edges the side, the corners of the room, trying to figure out who they want to talk to. Uh, and then they go in and kind of like a sniper, they just like take out that one person. And then we're all of a sudden having a conversation. We have very little time for small talk. We can't suffer things that are meaningless, like the weather, because, well, the weather is coming and going. And unless we're going to try and figure out how the clouds formed, I don't know why we're talking about the weather. They are, it is the weather. Um, and yet, and that we can get lost in all sorts of pursuits. Um, and so being lost in this idea of what personality types uh, there are, um, part of the triad of that I'm in, in the Enneagram is fear-based. And I never saw it as fear-based. I, I think I did see it as fear-based, but I was unwilling to admit it, which brings me to my second point. So I, there's a bit of study and, and taking in and going, oh, I wonder if that's fear-based, right? But then there's the second layer on it, which is the willingness to admit it. Yeah. Because as a perfectionist who is fear-based, and I think a lot of perfectionism comes from fear-based uh, fear mentality, it's a very difficult thing to admit fear because fear can be seen as weak along with that, you know, if I'm, 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 I'm experiencing fear and I'm also unwilling to admit that it's fear to myself first, much less to you. Yeah. And that's, that is a... Uh, a journey I think that everybody needs to go on where they're willing to admit the truth to themselves. That was the second part of my journey where I've admitted, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm fear-based. And it came about in the story uh, from seventh grade. Now the lay of the land here is in seventh grade, I'm, I'm in the spelling bee. And it makes it makes total sense that I'm in the spelling bee because I like to understand how you know how how to say things the way I want to say them. It's built into me from a very young age, and so I I'm, I am conscious of how words are spelled. I'm conscious of how the sentences go together. So I'm in the spelling bee, and I am the the standing up in the front of the class. I've got all my peers in the class, and we're we're in the room. And whoever is going to go from that room is going to go into like the regional seventh grade or whatever spelling bee, right? And this Granted, this is years ago, so my memory is a little bit foggy. Yeah. But the point that I remember in this is I'm standing up there with my friend Kevin Park. Now, Kevin, cool Asian dude, super smart, one of my good friends. I'm standing there, and as I recalled it, and the story that I told year over year to, to other people was I looked at Kevin, and then I looked back at the people in the crowd and, you know, my peers. And I knew the word. And if I spelled that word right, I was going to win the seventh grade spelling bee. But as I looked at Kevin, I realized Kevin wanted it more than me. And I purposefully misspelled the word. Thereby throwing the spelling bee to Kevin. Now, that story paints me as some hero who gave up, right? Gave up my rightful throne. Yeah. Uh, but also carrying didn't the have to chalice go to regionals. And the chance to go to regionals. Well, yeah. so it's interesting because after I crossed this chasm of understanding that there's this fear-based mentality in me and that it's okay, and I just need to manage it and learn, learn from it, yeah. the actual story came out in my own heart, not from somebody else, in my own heart and soul, was that actually I was terrified to go to regionals yeah. because I would find out that I'm eventually going to find words that I can't spell. And I'm going to be in front of a bunch of people that I don't know. And they're all going to laugh at me and chuckle when I can't spell, you know, onomatopoeia. And then 
I'm going to have to, you know, sulk across the stage <laughs> crying to my parents or something. And that was yeah. embarrassment to me that I wasn't as good as what I kept telling myself I was and who I needed you to see me as. That's actually why I threw the spelling bee to Kevin. I knew in that moment for, for whatever reason, well, for me, that I was just too scared to take it and go. I, I, it was, it's like a, it's a fear sometimes keeps us from stepping into our fullness. And that was a defining moment for me. And it is one that I look back on and go, yes, that was fear evidenced in me. So where is that evidenced now? What do I keep myself from doing that I know I'm absolutely capable of doing? And who cares if I fail? Yeah. But I hold myself back from it. I'm curious what uh, your 16 personalities, four letter, four letter personality is. Do you know? Uh, are you talking about like the Myers Briggs? Yeah. I am an INFJ. Okay. Okay. I used to think I was an INTJ. Okay. But. Uh, my thinking brain was covering up the F uh, out of fear. That's and interesting. And now I'm an INFJ. So I'm I'm an ENTP, but I find myself very much connecting on a lot of the stuff you're saying right now. So that's interesting. It has been a little while since I've taken that test, so maybe it's time to go back. But how how did you come? Like, were you meditating? Were you reading a book? Were you taking a walk? Like, where? I mean, that's a life-changing realization. And, and as you said, it, it's, a, it's an amazing moment. And not something to reject, but something to embrace and manage. Right? I'm a really big fan of, of what you resist persists. Um, and, and so what were you doing when that realization came about? I couldn't tell you what I was specifically doing during that moment. Okay. Uh, but... I, I have been down paths over the past couple of years, let's say, um, humbling paths that have worn away some of the calluses, right? So I just said, I was an INTJ and now I'm an INFJ. Well, I was always an INFJ, but I covered up the F part, that feeling part, that displaying my feelings to you, disconnecting myself even from the moment and the feelings that I have, unwilling to display the reality to you or talk mm -hmm. about it. And so I would think it through and I would rationalize it and reason things, uh, my life, my experiences, instead of just being connected to them, um, because it gave me comfort. I, if I could think it through well enough, then I could avoid pain. I could avoid pain for myself. I could avoid pain for you. I could avoid that embarrassment. The kid in me could avoid the embarrassment of standing up on stage, not spelling the word right, having you chuckle at me and me sulk off into the corner. That's, that's life experiences for me. And then trying to figure out what am I going to do with those experiences as I go through them were the defining moments, right? And I wouldn't say I'm done with that. I think I'm more uh, appreciative of the process now. I didn't used to appreciate the process so much. And uh, for me, the idea of loving your loving your journey, that's to me, my journey, love my journey uh, is so important because it is the journey. It is the gift of being able to go to the regional spelling bee, able to be with those people, 
in that moment. That's a gift. The gift of being able to fail in that moment, also a gift. Uh, it doesn't mean you're a failure, right? But see, see those opportunities to fail, see those opportunities to uh, have connected deeply and found that that just didn't, you know, didn't pan out. Um, see those opportunities as gifts uh, instead of, instead of uh, feeling like they need to be there forever or that if they aren't, you, you know, jacked it up, you dumbass. you know, that's, that's the, that's the negative self-talk, which then says, well, pack those feelings away and put a layer of thinking on it. And if you could figure it out well enough, you can be successful. Yeah, screw that. I'm always successful. I, as you said, if you look at the things that I've done, I've done a hell of a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I've lived a couple lifetimes in some ways. Um, so why, why, why shouldn't I love that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, honestly, it makes me think about my journey. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed that I've struggled with, and I, and I always think of the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, right? Growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Um, and I always thought you're either one or the other. And I've actually come to realize you're, you're in certain aspects, growth mindset, and then a lot you're, 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 you know, you're not just one or the other. It's always a mixed bag. And, and I've actually found that over the years, I've, I've noticed that I will try less so that I always have the excuse. Well, if I had actually tried, I would have made it right. Mm -hmm. And that's a self-sabotage, self-sabotage just for yeah. the sake of, of having that, that shred of comfort. Oh, well, if I had tried, I would have made it, you know? How, yeah. Like, I wrote a blog post on that about commitment and it went something like this. I went to the store and I bought some deck chairs and I put them on my deck and I didn't take the tags off because I thought, well, if those aren't the deck chairs for me, I can always bring them back. The answer was take the tag off. <laughs> and many times we find ourselves in our lives just like that. We leave some way out. Well, if this didn't pan out, Fortunately, the tag is still on. All is not lost. I can redeem this. But life doesn't work like chairs. I'm, I'm, it hasn't cost me. It hasn't cost me to take a chair I didn't you know, It cost me to, to take a chair I didn't like and throw it out, right? 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is. But that investment in an experience, the time, the money, if I really pushed into that experience, that investment is in an it is becomes part of me. I don't return it. If it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, I didn't return it and it went away. I also can't throw it away and just get rid of it. And at best, maybe it leads me on to something that is fantastic that I never knew was there. Some new discovery about me or something that's um, you know amazing and beneficial. I started a company uh, selling heating and air conditioning equipment online to consumers. I knew shit about heating and air conditioning equipment. I, but I knew how to build websites and I knew marketing and I knew sales. And so a, a, a sales a guy I used to work with, we, we would go on these sales calls together. He was the business development guy. He didn't sell a damn thing. He, met, he just sat meetings and then he'd bring me along with it. And then we'd start talking to these people. And I realized, man, I'm just sick and tired of selling people on ideas they know nothing about. 
Yeah. I keep telling them, I'm, I'm talking to, you know, this company saying, hey, you know, you should start an e-commerce website. The internet's going to be this big thing. And I'm telling you, you know, here's all the blah, blah, blah. And I'm getting all these facts and figures and whatnot. And they don't know anything. And so, of course, they didn't do it. And I thought, for the amount of time and effort I've spent selling these people on something they don't want because they simply don't understand it, I should just do it myself. And so I was talking to my business partner and, well, my future business partner and around drinks one night. He's like, I think I found the thing. I think we should sell humidifiers. And I was like, Okay, I know what a humidifier is, but why? And he says, well, because you could buy it for about 150 bucks. We could sell it for, sorry, we could sell it for about 150 bucks or the heating and air conditioning guy is going to charge you like 400 to put it in. So that gap in the marketplace means we can start selling these things online. Plus there's only like one other company that's doing it. And then I said, well, that's cool. But humidifiers, like how long is that going to last? And the and these well we could do air cleaners then we could do air purifiers then we could do air conditioners then we could do furnaces then we could do there's like the list goes on and on and on and on and on and within within uh, eight months ten months something like that so first of all I moonlighted with myself all night for a month building out a website while my business partner added product images and that type of stuff. And, you know, I, I knew graphic design, so I did some graphic design work and I knew programming and I did web programming and we built, we made a, a, a video and a free installation video and I knew video work. So I made the video, shot the video and edited the video and all these things. I knew a little about trucking. So my generalist attitude at that mo moment, having touched a handful of things came in really handy for that one month. And then that, that we got an order within that same month. It was like one month. It was of beginning of October to the end of October. Then we got our first order and then a second order and a third order. And then we did like that first December, something like we did like $50,000 in humidifiers and air cleaners while we're That's still awesome. working our full-time jobs. They're all drop ship and we're not touching anything. And I was like, wow, this, this could really be something. Still, I knew nothing, really nothing about heating and air conditioning equipment, right? Now, had I, had I chosen not to just go down that path to just try it and say, you know what, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't just commit like three months of serious, like full-time effort to this thing, basically working two full-time jobs, I never would have had the next eight years. Yeah. So why not? Why not fully commit to it instead of keeping one, you know, keeping, keeping, uh, keeping the ability to return it now? I, it's not that we aren't smart about those things, right? I was working two full-time jobs for probably about 10 months. And then I quit my other job. I quit my, you know, my day job and I got myself a raise and started working for my own company. Cool. It wasn't all roses. Twice we had to lay off three quarters of the staff. I mean, it was a big, it, there were some missteps, right? Um, but the idea that somehow we gain more security by not fully walking into our opportunities is ridiculous. You don't have security. The only security is the ability to do something positive with what you have. That's your security. I think COVID's proven that to us, right? Yeah. Oh I thought my I was gosh, working for yes. the man. I thought it was a full-time thing. I thought the economies worked this way. I thought restaurants would always be open. I thought, 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 thought. I'm sure you did. There's no security. It's a joke. You, you, there's no security out there. All those things are just made up. We have restaurants because some some point in time, somebody said we should start selling food out of a hole in the wall. Boom, restaurant. And then we've got them all around. Well, okay, now they're closed. All right. Well, doesn't mean we stop eating. 
just means you pick up the, from where you are and you go, hey, what can I do with positive in this moment? The, I mean, this is, it, it's such a matrix, red pill, blue pill, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people are going to hear all this and they're going to be like slightly motivated, right? And and even even me, right? Like I'm not totally out of that, nor nor do I, I don't know if I'll ever be out of wanting that false security, right? Um, but I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've written a lot of content on this. I'm sure you've coached people on this. What do you think is the best way to like wake people up to that, that like security is really like, you can only go and create it. It can't be given to you. Necessity. So the, the, the whole thing that keeps me with a deck chair with a tag on, or you keeping an excuse handy is you are not serious enough and you're not serious enough because you don't have to be. That's the truth of it. I don't have to be super serious because I got something to fall back on. All right, cool. Yeah. You're not that committed to it then. I got to tell you, you're not that committed to it. Yeah. They, I, I, I lost my daughter's dog once about three days after she got him. <laughs> nice. Now this dog was a rescue. <laughs> and so the dog didn't want to be around any of us. The dog wanted to go home to the rescue family or whatever that had, you know, fostered it. Yeah. And my daughter went on vacation. He said, uh, she said, here, dad, can you watch this dog for the next week? And I was like, sure, baby, I'll watch your dog. <laughs> and uh, oh, no. so I put the dog in the car with the leash and all that stuff. And I got to a friend's house and I opened up the back door and I went to grab the leash and the dog went ran off. And I was like, damn it. I was sure I clipped that on there. Well, my heart just like was boom, immediately racing. And I ran after the dog. And then the, the dog went down an alleyway and I ran down the alleyway and then had it cornered in front of this, this garage door. And there are these bushes on the sides. I'm like, I've got this cornered. Right. And I, and I like lunged after the dog and it's this little terrier type thing. And, uh, I, I thought I had it and it like jumped through my arms and ran off. And I'm not as fast as a little tiny dog. And I was running down there. Dog's gone. I had no idea where the dog went. So I got in my car and I called my friends and we got search parties out and they're driving around. And I drove around for probably six hours. Wow. Round and around and around and around and around and around and around and around. Unwilling to call the foster family and say, hey, can you help? I just lost this dog you just gave us. <laughs> because I'm, I'm feeling like an absolute fool. But most of all, I'm, I am projecting into the future that my daughter's face is going to be just a face of heartbroken, gut-wrenching tears. And she's going to blame me. And in that moment, it was really interesting. I wasn't thinking about how she's going to blame me. I just knew she would. But I just didn't want her to experience that level of pain. She was so excited to get a dog. She hadn't had a dog in a while. She finally gets the perfect dog. And dad screws it up. And I thought, well, I can own that. But I got to find this dog. And I realized I would have I searched all night into the next day, into the following day, I would have just continually searched for that dog just to find that dog because there was no other option. There was no option. There was no way out 
where dad wouldn't stop searching and force the, the reality of a lost dog upon her. Well, it turns out the dog, after, after a friend coaxed me into just calling the foster family, and they ended up doing that for me, <laughs> right? So I'm not good at all things. Yeah. <laughs> not good at admitting like, gee whiz, I really fucked up here. Yeah. Um, the dog was one block away, stuck behind a fence. And all they did was drive down the street and they called the dog. They're like, Abby, Abby. And the dog, ar, 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 ar. the dog would respond to them, wouldn't respond to me. Wow. So in that, I think the lesson for me in this idea of necessity is I cared so much about my daughter. I would have looked for that dog forever. Now that dog was never going to respond to me the way it was going to respond to its old owner. So there's also the lesson of necessity, but there's also the lesson of who are you going to take with you? Because there's somebody in that whole thing where I can, I could have searched constantly and nobody would have got the results that somebody else would have had. So whatever, whatever is the thing that you want to do, if you're struggling, 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 looking for six hours to get it done, I guarantee there's somebody around you who could just like drive down the street and go, hey, Abby, and the thing will appear. Yeah. That That's the difference, I think, between some people who really succeed and others who don't. You have to have that drive of necessity. Like, we are going to do this. There is no other option, but I don't have to do it all. I just have to care more than everybody else. And when I care more than everybody else and I'm willing to pull somebody else in who has the requisite skills, they will see how much I care and they will jump on board. They still won't care quite as much, but they'll absolutely use their skills to my advantage and their advantage because they love it. And we'll get stuff done. You'll find the dog. So 2020 has, has probably been a big wake up year for a lot of people. Exactly like you said, it's created that necessity. Um, but I also, how does, how does someone create their own necessity? Do you think outside of negative circumstances? Why do you say negative circumstances? Well, I, well, I challenge. So I actually debated using negative. Um, I cause I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no I, I am debating it. Cause like this year, 2020, it's been hard. But uh -huh. I'm actually like super grateful for it. It has been like a wake up. It's been a huge wake up call. And how could I be anything but grateful for that, right? As a as a father, a husband, it's been everything. It's been my world, right? But um, I guess back to the question, and we'll just take that out. But how does someone create their own internal necessity? That's what I'm looking for. Because COVID has been a very external it has created external necessity, right? You got laid off, whatever whatever it is, whatever circumstance you found yourself in. How does someone create internal necessity without waiting for that outside pressure? Well, I would, first I would leave it in because I think it's an important discussion because motivation, I actually, actually, actually have a video I just recently did on motivation. It said, um, it's actually, it's on YouTube. You can find it. It's like, eh. But it said something to me at the time uh, where like, well, you're constantly looking for motivation. You think you need more more motivation. And, uh, and I think you don't. I think you have all the motivation you need. 
you just happen to be getting value out of the staying still doing the current thing you're doing more than the thing that you keep saying that you want to do. So whether it's necessity or whether it's motivation, necessity comes externally, I think. Okay. Um, because we only see the internal in light of the external. If, so for instance, um, if there weren't places to buy food and I just had to grow my food, it wouldn't matter what food costs are. I would just be growing my food. And I would not know that I overpaid, let's say, for my pizza tonight. I paid $30, dollars $28 for a medium pizza of which $10 was delivery. And the other couple dollars was overpriced uh, because I grubhubbed it and they marked it all up. And my friend said, why didn't you just call up the pizza place and order it from them? And I thought, oh, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I think I just had my mind stuck on buying from the app. Okay, the only constant thing here is I wanted pizza. How that pizza came to be, I was that was very malleable, right? Was it necessary that I ordered from Grubhub? No. Was it necessary that I ordered from, you know, from an, another store or I called them up? No. If I had $5 in my pocket, well, I couldn't do something else. I would just have to find an alternative. If I had $5, I'd go to the grocery store. I'd go, go to the corner store and I would have bought a frozen pizza. Either way, I was going to get pizza. I know how to make pizza. I could make dough. I could have, I've got some dough starter in my refrigerator. I could have just made so pizza with, <laughs> right? Yeah. See, exactly. So this idea of necessity um, is an extra, it's, it's all external. It becomes internal at some point in time, only, only by all the differences or the, uh, as in, in relation to the things externally around us. That's why I think, um, that's why I think that, that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, never remove necessity, is a how are you going to um, take those lessons, those things that would have kept you in bounds externally, you can internalize those by simply choosing to do it. There's no special magic to it. So the next time when I say, you know what, I don't need to pay $30 for pizza, I could get off my butt and walk to the car drive a little bit, drive right back. And it would have been the same speed or same amount of time. It would have cut my cost probably in half. And I would have got a, even a mild amount of exercise by walking to the car and back, which would have done me wonders probably over time, yeah. right? So there was no external necessity to not spend $30 because we got the money, but I could internalize the necessity by just giving myself some boundaries. And saying, hey, that's way overpriced. But again, without that, without something externally to us, I, you wouldn't know. So it's it's um, internal, internal necessity or motivation comes from some external source. That makes sense. How do, I feel like, and again, I'm, I'm totally speaking for myself here. Yeah. Um, feeling motivated is just easy, right? 
it's easy. You know, watch a watch a cool YouTube video, uh, watch a guy working out, watch a cool podcast. You know, whatever it is, it's easy to be like, yeah, all right, let's go, let's do this. But it's much more difficult to maintain that motivation long term. Well, okay. Is there a question in that? I guess I, I'd love it's your just a thought. It's just a thought, really. How do how do we maintain that motivation then, from your perspective? Well, it's not actually motivated. It's not internalized yet. It hasn't actually become real. So you yeah. watch that video. And it's kind of like going on church camp. You ever been to church camp? Yes, I have. <laughs> all right, church camp. You go to you go away to church camp, and you're in the right circumstances, and you're with I'm all these friends. I'm gonna be holy. Got, I'm right, never gonna got, do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. You have no responsibilities. <laughs> yep. You, you somebody paid for your ass to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great music. It's it's you're up all night talking to people. I mean, it's just like, couldn't we just bottle this? Yeah. And it would be here forever. And what you're doing is you're throwing it way off in the in the end results and you're going, I want to enjoy that forever. I guarantee you have nothing in your mind. It's just like, you know what? And I'm gonna start disciplining myself tomorrow to really achieve those things. And I have a clear understanding of what that takes. No, you don't. You have a, in your mind, I have a dream to be like that person. That's what you do with a workout video. I have a, I, I feel unmotivated to work out. <sighs> I'm just not sure how to get started moving. How does this body get off of this chair? I don't, I yeah. don't even know. I need somebody to tell me how to lift something. I forgot how to walk. I don't know. It's like there's a thousand things you could actually just do, but we don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to. The what we're what we see in those videos is we're like, I want to be like that person. That's where it ends. You want to be like them. Okay. It hasn't been internalized yet. All right, fine. It won't be internalized until there's some sort of extrinsic motivation. I'm pretty convinced of that. That extrinsic motivation doesn't doesn't mean that it's there perpetually, right? So I think, let's say you take a person who's driven to be an overachiever as a kid because dad never tells him he's proud of yeah. until he does all of these things. You know what? If that if that was was laid in place as a young kid, I guarantee that'll persist in some way into the future. Yeah. It'll either persist into rebellion or it will persist into into we are going to do this come hell or high water. And when either one of those things maybe runs its course, the kid will be okay with himself. But when is it going to run its course? It'll only run its course in relation to something happening externally. Yeah. Oh, my relationships don't work out. No, because you're an ass. Yeah. Yeah. And you are that way because you just can't stand that everybody else isn't keeping up with you. Because if you're not keeping up, then dad was never proud of you. I mean, that's you trace all of these things to something in in yeah. us that's happening that we're just unable to look at. We just can't just be okay with ourselves in some ways. And then there are some things I think that are that are worthwhile. Like I, I'm 43 and I'm looking at my life and going like, I haven't accomplished enough. You might argue that. And you say, well, I don't know. I saw your video. It seems like you have. All right, I've done a lot of stuff, but what lasting, like it's not enough because I look at myself and I could do so much more. Yeah. Because the things I've already done, it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. But what do I have? What I, where am I at right now? What do I, what do I see? What do I, could I create? And I have this internal drive to just use the life I've been given. That's where it's coming from. 
And so I'm just going to do as much as I can to use life I've been given. And there are people who rely on me and I don't take that for granted. Uh, and I don't use that responsibility lightly, I don't think. So that motivation doesn't come from, I'm not going to be good enough. I, I have people who love me. You know, I've had up, you know, upfront conversations with my parents and reconciled, you know, not, I had nothing really to reconcile other than uh, I never, I never appreciated all the support that they gave me. And sometimes their support was so over the top good that I was, I was told I was doing a good job when I probably wasn't. You know, when I, when I was a singer and I would be like vis visibly just like fumble it just all over the place and be like, oh my God, I could do that better. Truth, factually, Jason, yes, you could have done it better. How? You could have practiced a lot harder. You could have memorized that better instead of winging it. True story. But when I got off the stage, mom be like, oh, Chase, I love you. You did a great job. And I'll be like, no, I didn't. No, you did. You're good. I love you. It's like, okay. Okay. I'm fine. Yeah. Right. All right. So contrast that with somebody who's like, oh my gosh, what would you, what would you rather have? Your mom's sit and go, you know what, dude, I do not even know what is wrong with you. How could you not have spent 10 more minutes a day memorizing that you loser? I wouldn't want that kind of experience either. So you figure it out, right? If the, the in the end of this, what you, you said it would be you know, bad experiences. I think there are fundamentally two different ways of looking at life. Either everything is an opportunity and it's my responsibility to do something with it, or things just come upon me and I get to moan about when things don't go right for me because I didn't do it. I didn't have enough, right? It's like yeah. glass is half full, glass is half empty. Maybe I don't know how you want to think about it, but yeah. I tend to think, all right, so I've got this. Now, what am I going to do with it? And because I've got all this creative energy and a mind to explore, I'm going to figure out something to positive to do with it instead of going, oh, well, I don't know what to do now. I guess I'll just sit on my duff. I could not imagine what that thought process is like. And I don't do it. Be, I, like half the stuff I do, I don't tell anybody about. I don't go to family gatherings. I'm like, hey, guys, look at all the things I've been doing. Like my, my sister found my podcast recently. She's like, I saw you on YouTube. And I was like, Hi, okay, where'd you see me? That's the first thing. Where'd you see me? Yeah. I thought I was hiding this successfully. <laughs> right. And she's like, yeah, that was so good. She, you know, tell me about this thing I was doing. I was like, and I, I, my heart sank for a moment. And I was like, oh no, I was found out. I'm doing this thing on YouTube. For me, the question I have to have is why Jace, do you hide out? Why do you hide? Why don't you just put it out there? Oh, uh, what are you afraid of? Yeah. Right. So in light of all those extrinsic experiences, we develop some sort of motivation for ourselves. Some people don't. Some people get motivated. Well, some positive motivation. How's that? Some people get motivated in the wrong direction and they stay where they're at and complain to everybody else about it. And then they constantly go back to the motivational videos and go, ah, I, I wish I could be like that person. Well, you could have. Yeah. Eventually you can't. So... What are you going to do with now, right? You only have today. Your security is fake. All you had was what you get to choose to do. So what are you going to choose to do? Jason, I think that is an amazing spot to end off on. Um, gosh, I can't thank you enough for being on today. Is there anywhere where you want people to go and find more about you? 
They, you know what? You could just send them to you could send them to coffeewithhumans.com. That'd be fine. Okay. Okay. Sweet.